Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Nathan Crankfield, the founder and host of the Seeking Excellence podcast. Really excited to share today's episode with you. You know, uh, Emily's last episode with us was an absolute hit. And so we're excited to share our second part that we did. We recorded them in the same day. You don't really need to listen to the first one to understand this one, but um, it's somewhat of a continuation. So in her first episode, we discussed the feminine genius. And then today we take a look at what that looks like when that goes wrong, right? So femininity uh, gone wrong or the dark side of feminism uh, when you have radical feminism that we have today, what impacts that has on society and how that mirrors and models itself along with other toxic, negative or manipulating movements of our time. So we get into it. And as you can tell in these first several episodes of the year uh, in 2021, we're just trying to address a lot of difficult, challenging topics. So we did our Black Lives Matter uh, response podcast and now talking about the dark side of feminism and coming up soon we're going to have some great episodes on same-sex attraction and um and all of that so we're going to keep pushing we're going to keep talking about the hard stuff and we're going to uh try to give you the content that will help form you uh in the faith and help you to take you know a faith-based perspective and look at all these different challenges and movements and things that are happening in the society that we live in so Hope that you enjoy it and we'll go and check out Emily's first episode if you haven't already. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ, to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses, time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. My name is Nathan Crankfield, your host for today. And I'm very blessed to have join me, the wonderful Emily Harpole. Emily, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Great to be here. Happy to be here. Excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today because this is freaking huge. Huge. Very big deal. And so we got to talk about feminine genius last time, all the great aspects of femininity and all that, which is awesome. And so to carry on and continue that conversation, well, one thing we alluded to a lot in the last podcast was feminism and talked a lot about, yeah, you know, we kind of touched on it and talked like a little bit, shed a little bit of light on our thoughts and opinions on that. Um, and something that you and I talk about a lot, yeah. we talk about feminism a lot. a lot. So I'm excited to talk more about it today uh, and just kind of dig into it. But first, I think that it's really important to say a couple of things. You know, one is that you and I both, and you're going to, you're going to share more light, shed more light on this, but we both, you know, 
view certain aspects of feminism favorably, mm. especially the history of it. Yeah. Um, and that we believe in women's rights. <laughs> you know, that we believe <laughs> that in equality. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I think that, I always love disclaimers in my writing yeah, yeah. and my speaking. And so I think it's important to recognize that we uh, believe in equality of men and women, um, that they're equal but different. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and just how important that is to know and to understand. And, and we should advocate for that. And we should advocate for that here in America and abroad, that mm-hmm. it's important to recognize that in dealing with other countries. You know, we can talk more about that as we get into this stuff. But I know you have some thoughts on that, on the history of feminism and a great quote to share with us to start off and kind of lay the groundwork. So whichever one you want to do first. Whichever one I want to do first. We'll start with a quote. Let's do it. Okay. Um, so this is a quote that I share when I talk about feminine genius or different things or kind of getting into in feminism. Presentation, right? In my presentation. Specifically, if you listen to the last podcast talking about just the power that women have um, for good or for bad over others. Um, and so this is a quote from our, from Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen. OG. Yeah. All-star. Hall of Fame. American. Catholic. Catholic American priest. Saint Hall of Fame. Yeah. On his way to, to full sainthood. Amen. I, don't know, I think he's venerable right now. Yeah. Really, yeah that sounds about right. Thing. But anyway. So great this, guy. Great guy. Big fan. <laughs> you know what's cool about him too? Just like side note in talking about like media and stuff. He was like the original kind of like Catholic media That's guy. That's very true. Like all the, the, he had a show. He had a show on television that back, back in the day. Back in the day. My parents said that like non-catholics watched it it was like so yeah. popular that he so i feel like he could be the patron saint of like social media or just media in general i don't know what he would become the just taking advantage of the technology of the time yeah and using Which it a lot of people criticize. so yeah could be a you know and i'm sure the same way for him is what something called mike smith talks about all the time is that it wasn't the only place he evangelized yes it was on television yes exactly. he evangelized in his day-to-day he yeah. lived the holy life yeah, but he also, on top of that, utilized what was available to him with the tools of technology. Yeah, so which is what we're called to do. Yeah, here we are doing it. Amen. Trying to. Amen. <laughs> anyway, so back to Fulton Sheen and women. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, Fulton Sheen tangent. Go watch his videos on YouTube. He's hilarious. Like people thought he was hilarious. Yeah. He has really funny videos on YouTube. A lot of them are on there. So, anyways, about women, he has this great quote: "To a great extent, the level of any civilization is the level of its womanhood." When a man loves a woman, he has to become worthy of her. The higher her virtue, the more noble her character, the more devoted she is to truth, justice, goodness, the more a man has to aspire to be worthy of her. The history of civilization could actually be written in terms of the level of its women. Boom. Boom. Boom, Fulton Sheen. That's great. Yes. So I I love that quote and especially getting into the craziness that we see today just in our world in general right sure um and how we're going to talk about kind of the breakdown of these this uh almost reverence for women and reverence for everything we talked about in the feminine genius podcast of of um just the beauty of those things how a lot of that turn turning away from that has affected civilization as a whole and it's kind of spiraled out of control right you could say um so kind of a little background just from my own experience and this is something that i've recently felt called to to study more and to read more about um nathan and i kind of talked about this where he when he talked about like the the racial aspect of of things in our world today you know you try to read from both sides or just really like inter- dive into that topic and i've kind of lately been feeling the same desire in, in the topic of feminism of kind of reading both sides and whatnot and right 
when I was in my poli sci class, same one I talked about last podcast, shameless plug to go back and listen to that. (laughs) But, um, I was, I was in this, this class, I was writing a paper on feminism and I was, my professor basically told me to do that and to, to read from all different sides, read, literally read what the, what the leaders in the feminist movements were saying about different things. So kind of as a, like a little bit of a background and granted, I'm, I haven't read enough about it. I'm sure I need to read more and stuff, but from my understanding, and a lot of people will talk about these waves of feminism, but there are different waves of feminism. I would say we're probably, I don't know if there's like technically a fourth wave of feminism, but if they haven't, but I would say we'd probably be in like the fourth wave of feminism right now in modern day history. But the first wave of feminism is the one that we often hear about is, is that like suffrage movement, um, you know, things that I would, I would agree with of this, these abilities to have rights, to have the right to vote, um, to just have more rights that are outside of the home and whatnot. That was the first wave of feminism was kind of fighting for those things. Right. A lot of those women, a lot of people will note that a lot of those women were pro-life, like they were anti-abortion and different things, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so that was like kind of where it started. But a lot of the women that I was encouraged to look into were the second and third wave who were kind of a little more radical. And what's interesting about the second and third wave of women is some of their writings would kind of say that the goal of feminism, that the goal of the feminist movement shouldn't even be to increase the role of women in the world. It should be like taking out gender as a whole, that there should be no difference in men and women. Like that was their actual goal in like the 19, I don't know know exactly when it was, 50s, 60s, 70s, all those different things, like kind of mid 1900s. Like that was like their goal. It wasn't the advancement of women. It was literally like, the removal of femininity and masculinity right. was the end goal for feminism, which is really interesting because it's like nowadays when you see it, like when I would read about modern day feminists or we write, read these writings about modern day feminism or whatever, there would literally be articles that would say things like um, feminism is too in, um, exclusive, like the word feminism, right? That like, it's not even today about women in general. It's just about like, whatever crazy gender ideology things we have going on they're all kind of lumped into that but like people are even turning away from the word feminism because it's too exclusive nowadays and that shows that that second third wave like their radical ideas of what what was the end goal of feminism are like coming to be right yeah absolutely in a sense right like the fight now is not is not for like more like women empowerment which we hear about that a lot but like or the advancement of women mm-hmm. but it is just like that there shouldn't be genders that we shouldn't be i mean genders fluid yeah, yeah. gender fluid There's you can like, like be whatever you want to be different yeah how many gen- genders are there you know we got pronouns on twitter yeah. profiles but exactly so it like so quickly was this spiral into what a that. time to be alive yeah so i think it's important to note that is that there's I like have, i should have heard voice of burden <laughs> it's like morning. it's one in the afternoon yeah it's afternoon <laughs> yeah that's all you had to say it's not even... <laughs> <laughs> it's afternoon. yeah so um anyways i just think that's an interesting thing to note as well when we talk about kind of like laying the groundwork because that's where we're at is that Absolutely. that was like the actual end goal for in a lot of their writings um i'm trying to think of some of the names i should have looked them up before this but 
some of those big like those names in the second. I can look. It, I'll look it up while you're talking. About it. <laughs> there you go. We can put but it in the like show Firestone, stuff, I think but... was one of the last names. She was in Firestone and such and things. That's their goal. Their end goal was not necessarily advancement of women. It was the like removal of gender, the removal of this right. as a whole. Yeah, and I love it. I love talking about this with you too because. I think that, you know, we both have a lot of areas of passion that overlap and things like that. But the interesting timeline or the comparisons uh, of the journey of both the feminist mm-hmm. movement and the civil rights movement, you know, yeah. the black community is so interesting. And especially the way you just talked about the ways of feminism. And I'll just think about the ways of the civil rights movement. Yeah. Where it's like, it was, <laughs> it's kind of like they both kind of hit this, like this bell curve, right? Where it's like, Things were really yeah. difficult and really bad, and then things got like really good. And now, those very people are kind of fighting to go revert back in some ways to yeah. fight against themselves, right. and they're being led by themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? As you see the black community, a lot of times now you hear movements in the BLM movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, different you know uh, really really far leftist ideology saying that we need to actually resegregate and we need to yeah. separate again, and we want yeah. people to be judged by this their skin color and we talk everything about skin color and what you know i mean just bring up the topic of race so much you know and Mm -hmm. create these divisions by race exactly what martin luther king and malcolm x fighting against you know malcolm x quoted many times saying that he just wants white people to leave the black community alone not more and more pushing for welfare and pushing for um you know not pushing for uh not even just that, but just like the government constantly meddling in black mm. business. Like he says that we can handle ourselves. We don't need this constant. That's As right now, you see the contrary. Yeah, the contrary yeah. where like now modern black leaders, when you hear Al Sharpton or, you know, and Jesse Jackson and, and those guys like talking constantly about like the need for intervention, the need for reparations, the need for these things that, you know, um, the black leaders of the civil rights movement, when we were actually fighting for rights that everybody agreed with, everybody yeah. now agrees and not everybody, but 99.9% of American society today believes that black men should be able to vote, believes that black women should be able to vote, that women in general should be able to vote. Um, and, and we still kind of see them going against each other. And I see that in feminism, in the fact that they want to advocate for trans women playing in women's sports, you know, and you see these, these high school athletes who are protesting against that, taking it to court because they lost. They, they got silver, you know, second or third place in the track meet running against a biological man. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, why is this person allowed to be women's sports? Well, it's trans women's rights. And now trans women are category umbrellaed under right. women's rights. And so you yes, see women's yeah. rights move from, we want women to be able to vote, women to have the same opportunities as men yeah. to going all the way to the point of where it's actually women defending men, biological men to take down mm-hmm. and actually degrade and have a negative impact on the lives of women. Yeah, no. Yes. And that's like the crazy spiral that you get in, but it's like, it yeah, that's what I mean too. by that bell curve. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Like there was yeah. a point where things were good. Things were being fought for yeah. and opportunities increasing and growing and things like yeah. that. You see the crazy statistics of how much more likely women are to graduate from college than men, the infiltration, you know, the great increase, huge increase in STEM fields, mm-hmm. you know, in science and, and technology and all these different areas where women are studying it, you know what I mean? And more likely to graduate with a degree in these yeah. fields than men are, yeah. how much better women do it than men in school and things like that. And mm. people point to these random statistics that they'll find to say that we still have to fight for equality. And now they're going for equality to the extent where they'll defend biological men yeah. degrading and taking up, you know, taking down or having a negative impact on the lives right. of women Which and is young a, girls 
or trans or biological women being able to use women's bathrooms and things like that. Yeah. It's very, very, you don't hear that, especially in the trans argument. And when it comes to gender, you don't hear people advocating for trans men being able to use men's restrooms. The only argument and debate right. that you hear about that is, yeah, is oh, biological so men trying to use women's restrooms with little girls yeah. and, and doing it in schools and things like that. And people on the left, you know, you're leftists, and I'd say leftist extremes, and I yeah. always try to clarify between leftists and liberals, people who have liberal progressive ideas, you know, mm-hmm. your general reasonably minded Democrats, right, yeah. which I believe exist, and then you have leftists who are extremists, socialists, mm-hmm. and believe in some of these crazy, you know, Marxist yeah. and generally insane ideas, from my opinion, that advocate for these things yeah. that are increasing more and more and, and having louder voices and are driving the Democratic Party, Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Kamala Harris, you know what I mean? Bernie Sanders, like you hear these voices growing and growing in the church, or not in the church, excuse me, but in society, in politics, in the Democratic Party. And people aren't thinking about these things. And people are voting for these people, for these leaders, Mm -hmm. and not recognizing how much all this other stuff is is packaged and built up. That you have somebody like Kamala Harris who believes everything I just said, all the, you know, that, that so many people who you know, hated Donald Trump, and I, I get that, or hate, you know, certain aspects of the Republican Party that would be appalled to think about sending their six-year-old daughter to school where a 12-year-old boy could use her bathroom. Yeah. That a, a 12-year-old boy that identifies as a girl, like, no, like, people, I think there's a very small percentage of society who's actually on board with that. There's a very, very tiny percentage of society that has gender dysphoria or sub- struggles with that or thinks that they were born the wrong mm-hmm. biological sex very, very tiny percentage of society that we're giving this huge platform for. Yeah. Even just thinking about, sorry, I'm just ranting now, <laughs> which is kind of what I wanted to do anyway. So uh, <laughs> you think about the Normally we do this without the microphone and now we just, now we're just recording to, it. Like put the microphone in between them. Emily, think about <laughs> the Black Lives Matter movement, how, how quickly it goes into Black trans women becoming yeah, like, I, just, I mean, from, from the moment of George Floyd dying to where we started advocating for Black trans rights and Black trans people and black trans women being like yeah, killed yeah. and murdered in the yeah. streets. Like, it's amazing to think about how much it just quickly escalates into all these other things and right. how just intertwined these these evils are of uh, trying to remove gender and trying to create racism yeah. and create division and ultimately create socialism, I believe, in yeah. our society, in the world. Totally. Because of just every kind of time they see these opportunities, these windows of opportunity open, they want to force all of these things in at once. Right. You know, what Matt Walsh calls the unholy trinity of attacking marriage, gender, and life. Mm. Mm. And they attack they all of them. Any, yeah. yeah, any opportunity you get, they want to, they want to bring it down. So. Yeah. Well, it's a great just like culture war, right? It's just like a Amen. big culture battle battle with, um, you know, I've talked about this. So it's like not even necessarily like elections that are like the big thing it's like the culture as a almost whole not irrelevant not, but like almost it, substantially it's, less relevant than people think they are yeah and then the, and looking at the culture as a whole and um yeah <laughs> you just talked about matt walsh, matt walsh but our beloved ben shapiro the other day was talking about how, how um it's like the same people that say there's no such thing as a woman are the same ones who are like glorifying whenever a woman does is like the first to do something right you know like like, all the hypocrisy philosophically it's just really interesting of like the same people who like literally will fight you saying that there's no such thing as a woman are also like the ones keeping track genders made up yeah of all that kind of stuff and like glorifying it so it's interesting 
how gender is a social construct. Yeah. yeah we're and gonna other, celebrate every time a woman, you know, does something sneezes into her left hand for the first time. <laughs> or whatever it might like, be. No, you know what true, I mean? But, yeah. But but um and I get frustrated with that. I don't want to sound hip- hypocritical. Like I get frustrated that with black people as well. Yeah. Not with black people, but when society's constantly like yeah. a black man, you know what I mean? Like yeah, tied yeah. and put his left shoe on first. Uh, first the first NFL like black NFL, you know, assistant offensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Like threw a football in the trash can today for the first time in NFL history. And it's like, okay, like who cares? Yeah. You know what I mean? No, like, why does it, everything have to be like, are we going to start keeping stats like that? Like is ESPN.com going to start having like <laughs> first, yeah, you know, black leading quarterbacks. Of all, and like, that's what that moves towards. You know what I mean? When you just no, celebrate is, the first is. black quarterback to have five touchdowns in the first half, like w- why not just break all the stats down by black quarterbacks versus white quarterbacks yeah, and, and, then you and black, who's the black again. leading, yeah. leading black quarterback in the league yeah. because they're underrepresented and they had to overcome all this. It's like, dude, no, they're on the same field. Right. Like they've been playing, they've been yeah. playing the NFL for a long time, decades. Like just how, how are we, like, how, how is that solving race consciousness or people just being so right. racially aware all the time right. when all you do is talk about it? Well, it's a deep, like, philosophical like you said earlier it's just like a deep philosophical like i mean it's like illogical people not using logic right they're right. like looking at these things and not not like and and the other thing i think why it gets so extreme and why it like spirals out of control is because it's like not logical in a lot of ways and so you have to keep covering your tracks and like when things like are disproven they just keep covering their tracks if that's okay does that make sense like like if they if they're fighting for feminism or different things like that, or the feminist movement is fighting for women empowerment, and then you have like the male, the biological male come in and different things. It's still like, it like negates kind of their own ideology, if that makes sense. Right. And so they just like, well, let's just lump it in and like, it, yeah. it'll be something too. So, as, so, so long as that they're not like um, disproving their own kind of ideology, if that makes yeah. sense. So they just kind of like keep making it be just run in circles. Yeah, I just run in circles. You're just I, being I, blown in the wind. Little, You're yeah. just being blown in the wind. Yeah. You know, and I think it's something that's so interesting. And why this is so important to talk about is you know, we have these seven pillars of seeking excellence, mental, emotional, physical, uh, financial, professional, social, and spiritual. And like this is what I consider the social pillar of yeah. it. Like is our society, not yeah. just social as in I think people might mistakenly read those if on the surface and think that social is your friendships all this stuff yeah. no like mm-hmm. social to me is how are you as a citizen of the united states or whatever country you live in like yeah. how are you as a citizen of the world you know yeah. how are you as a citizen of the church how are you living that out and all of this stuff matter you know i consider friendship romantic relationships all this stuff under the emotional pillar but all this stuff is so important and this is what's so important about this and why i love talking about this so much and why i get the most passionate probably <laughs> talking about these things and why i've talked about it so much more and written about it more is because when you debate back in the, back in the election time, I remember a lot of times when I bring up my stances on things, people are like, but Donald Trump, this Donald Trump, that, you know, and I, I told you about like, when I went home, I had uh, one of my brother's girlfriends, it was like, what's up, Donald Trump, you know, and she saw me. And it's so confusing and, and so shocking to a lot of people that like, I'm not Donald, and you know this, I'm not a huge Donald Trump no. fan. Like I am not uh, a MAGA hat rocking, mm-hmm. like, super Donald Trump, like flags, Trump flags in my house. I'm not about that. I'm extraordinarily passionate about the pro-life movement. Mm-hmm. I'm extraordinarily passionate about freedom of religion. Mm-hmm. I'm extraordinarily passionate about individual rights and individual responsibility. 
as a human being. Mm -hmm. And those those are typically conservative values. Right. And so I am not an advocate defender or an avid defender of Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah, Like that that doesn't matter to me. But what's interesting is that when you have this debate, a lot of times back during election time is when you attack the fact that Kamala Harris, who will likely be the president during this administration with Biden at some point, because Biden's likely not going to last for four years. When you attack the point to say that she is the most liberal, the most leftist, like extreme voting senator over the last however many years, you know, I don't know what the stat, what that stat goes over, if it's the last year, two years, her last six years, whatever, her last term. Like when you point that out and you say, these are all the things that that means. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like to be the most leftist liberal is not the most kind, loving, caring about people's feelings. No, it means that she believes all of this extreme stuff, not like the whole, like uh, maybe we should tax a little bit higher so we can have a bigger safety net or that it's more important for people to have, you know, Medicare and things like that. So we have to be, you know, kind and care about other people and like all that stuff and, and racism's bad. So we should fight against it. You know, like, no, 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 no. We're talking about critical race theory type stuff. We're talking about men in women's restrooms. We're talking about no boys being able to compete in women's sports. You know, like mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about. Yeah. No gender at all, right? Yeah. The, the, the just utter destruction of marriage and all these things like right. the, the eradic- eradication of truth, like religious freedoms being removed, like all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. that, that's huge. That's a big deal. And that's what people need to start thinking about and talking about more instead of personalities, and individuals, ideologies, beliefs, and values. Yeah. And a lot of us will agree a lot more on those things. Yeah. And sure. that's what we, I think a lot of times, even as conservatives, even as Catholics, as Christians, is instead of attacking the fact that, yes, Joe Biden likely has dementia. Yes, he's probably not all there. Yeah. But even more than that, why I wouldn't attack is not even Kamala Harris and talk about her corruption as a personal individual and her horrific story mm-hmm. of how she even got to be, you know, the vice presidential candidate. But, you know, ignoring all of that, let's talk about the fact that all of these beliefs that she holds and she advocates for, that AOC advocates for, are extreme and they will destroy the the United States of America. Well, they're extreme because they kind of just like going back to that, that idea that their original, why it spiraled so out of control is because they wanted to like get rid of like basic truths, right? And they wanted to get rid of basic, just like foundation. Some 1984 stuff. No, yeah. Like, no joke. Like, they wanted to get two rid plus of... Two plus two equals five. Exactly. Like, how do you truth. get to that? Yeah. To and whatever the government says is true is true. Exactly. How do you get there? Exactly. And that's kind of the same thing Slowly. where you were talking about that of, like, nobody, if they rationally thought about it, would let their... Would want their six-year-old girl to go to a school where, like, the 12-year-old boy could come into her bathroom, right? If you, like, logically think about those things. But so often that it's gotten so wrapped up and just out of control and spiraled out of control that there's no way to kind of bring it back where like without just kind of just accepting it all, if that makes sense. Right. And that's what I'm saying. They're always covering their tracks. And so, um, yeah, it's just really interesting because that's it's just like these basic things. And that's why I think it's important that we kind of first talked about the basic beauty of femininity and the basic just like foundation of that. And then we'll talk about it with masculinity as well, but like laying that groundwork and then looking at how it is completely just like wrecked our society and, and all those different things or like how it's spiraled out of control um i think is important for recognizing how we can heal it and how we can hopefully work to bring right. it back even in the little things like it's even in those little aspects of like of of each individual woman who believes in the power of her true like femininity of like entering into that right because at some point this is gonna go so out of control i mean <laughs> my mom my mom 
shout out to my mom if she's listening to this. <laughs> shout she, out she to loves the Seeking Excellence Lisa podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell her this is a good we one. We love that she loves. We love that she loves. She's definitely loving this one. Yeah, but she's always kind of like joking about. She's like, like in a certain sense, a lot of the ways of life that they're that they're kind of uh, promoting aren't sustainable, right? If you're not having kids, if you're not like having like large families yeah, and then there's also for society but then there's people in society who are luckily like still living those out who are entering into those things and eventually we're gonna out you just like naturally you're gonna outnumber each other right yeah. there's like, there's i was like, thinking about that you know what I mean? like there's yeah. like yeah, all the catholic families yeah. at mass this morning who have like so many kids yeah. and they're being raised in these things and like they're recognizing that you know so eventually hopefully that pendulum will switch will We'll swing back swing back again but um but yeah it is it, i think the the answer to it is entering into those roles right and to recognize that even like fulton sheen when he says that quote that i read at the beginning he's talking about like a woman becoming like a man has to become woman worthy of a woman right so even if like one woman is acting in such a way of virtue that a man has to change like that's the bedrock of this civilization that he's talking about right, right? he's like that's the bedrock of how women can run a whole or can, you know, change a whole civilization. Greatly impact. Yeah. Or impact yeah. it. Right. Is that like the men have to become worthy of the women. So if more women are simply just entering into that, we can kind of swing that back, but right. it is hard to look at it today, you know, and it's so magnified in the media and, and whatnot. And we hear it so much that it's hard to kind of be like, Oh, is anybody else living out this way? Right. You know? Sure. Um, and I think just the, the, important thing to do and what I would encourage anybody listening to do is to like in yourself really enter into that. Right. Because your own example will be a witness to others as well. Like, like my own desire to enter into like my femininity. There's been people like, you know, I lived, I, I worked in Washington DC for a summer when I was in college and I, um, my friend Molly and I lived with four other girls who were from a state school who were very into they're very different <laughs> political ideological views than Molly and I. Um, and I remember I would wake up every morning early to get on the Metro to go to mass before work. And so they would always see me leaving early or they would like, a lot of times I would be gone before they were even awake <laughs> to go mm -hmm. to work and different things. And after a while, I, I, I never really talked to them about it, but after a while they start to ask questions because you're living your life in a different way. Right. And you're like, Right. When the ways we would talk about the men in our lives was different and the ways we would talk about like each other was different, you know, mm -hmm. and they see that. Um, so I think it's important to be strong in that. That's like just basic like evangelization is like your words or your actions speak louder than words Living in, it out, in, yeah. in a way. But um, yeah, so it's just it, it is just a lot, but they are just kind of attacking those basic truths and that basic like beauty of femininity that we that we talked about last time, you know. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I want to dig deeper into that and talk about two examples of kind of walking through the hypocrisy and then kind of the emotional approach to a lot of these ideas and how they try to pull us down. Right. Yeah. So uh, recently, so this is just coming. I don't know when we're going to release a podcast, yeah. but, but this just happened like this past weekend? Saturday. Yeah, a, yeah week ago, a week ago today. Sarah Fuller, first female to athlete to play mm -hmm. in a power five football game. Right. Power five conference. So as you don't know. The five biggest conferences in football. Do you know what those Power Five conferences are? SEC. SEC. Don't be shy now. Oh my gosh. I'm like, no. SEC. I'm like blank, yeah. Pac-12. Pac Big five. I always mess up the numbers. The numbers all change recently. 
to the Big Ten. Ten. Big Ten. Remember yeah. the University of Michigan? Oh, yeah. You yeah, ever yeah, heard yeah, of him? Yeah, he's wearing a shirt right now. There we go. Now I'm embarrassed in front of everybody. <laughs> I really do. Oh, there you go. And the Big 12. Okay, good. I yeah. I believe. I believe that's it. I could be wrong. Okay. Big East might be one of them. Yeah. Not the Big 12. But I'm pretty sure that's the five. Anyways, utterly relevant. <laughs> but the first female football player to play in any of those conferences yeah. or conferences like that, you know. Yeah. Um, big ones. The right? big ones. The big ones. Um, played last Saturday, Sarah yeah. Fuller, as a kicker. Goalie. They just won the SEC uh, conference uh-huh. in soccer for Vandy, Vanderbilt. Uh, and it was a huge deal for a lot of people. The world, the news was huge on it. And it's just so interesting, again, like – most people would be down to celebrate it if we recognize the differences between men and women. But in a world where the same media that praises mm. this, mm. like what happened there, also saying that men and women are exactly the same, exactly mm. equal in all ways, doesn't make any sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Or that men can be women and women can be men. Like, that's what doesn't add up. It's And like, I don't want, like, I see the people's frustrations. They're like, because guys get nasty about it too. And people yeah. don't express their frustrations mm. with this in the right ways. And that's not right either. It's not right to be, you know, vicious and attack and talk nasty about her or say anything bad. You know what I mean? But to recognize the hypocrisy of saying, oh, women are the exact same. Women can do the exact same things. And then to say, like, this is a huge feat. And not only this is a huge feat, but the way they elevated it to her being, you know, the co-special teams player of the week was somebody who had an incredible special, like, special teams performance. And then her with only the only kick she had was the second half kickoff and not even her fault. Right. Vanderbilt's horrific. They're like, Oh, and nine this year. The worst right. one, the first one, the worst football programs, the coach just got fired. I'm pretty sure this past week after yeah. the game, yeah. right. Gets destroyed. And all she did was one kickoff. Yeah. And the ball it was a squib kick that landed at the 35 yard 30 line. Yards. Now you could recognize and say, well, for a girl, it's still impressive that she made it. Right. But nobody can, you can't say, can't for, say a for a girl. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because it was like, what do you mean for a girl, yeah. for a woman? Because it has now, to be equal. But recognize that, well, a male kicker, even, I mean, a lot of the male kickers in college play soccer. So it's not like they're trained yeah. from five years old to be male kickers in football. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, it's the same thing. It's the male goalie that's coming out to play football, play, uh, you know, kicker for the, the football team. And so it's recognizing that, okay, guys usually kick the ball into the end zone. You kicked it to the 35 yard line and it didn't go in the air at all. And obviously hopefully you practice this week knowing you were going to yeah. play this game, whatever we can say fine. Like that's still great. Like for a woman, like that's amazing that she padded up, like she put her pads on, she went out there and played. Yeah. It's awesome. But except for the fact that you're saying now that that's as a woman, the equivalent of a man, whatever the, the stats were for the right. person who had the, the co sec player of the week, returning a touchdown, uh, a, a, you know, a kickoff for a touchdown or whatever it might be. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like having six tackles on, on yeah. special teams. We don't recognize that. We're going to say no though for a woman, having you know kicking the ball 20 yards on kickoff from yeah. one kickoff is the same as a guy returning two punts for a touchdown or whatever it might be right, right. how can you say that and then say that men and women are the exact same They're like yeah it's just it's enough to it's drive a, a sane game. person literally and crazy well, right yeah. like it's a mind game that's kind of what you know it can literally blow your mind yeah yeah it's so interesting it's wild and so it's just it's it shows that hypocrisy that I'm talking about. And I think we saw that. I remember this too. This is another example of this. This is kind of derailing. But in in the debates, they talked about this with Kamala Harris. There was all these things about like, oh, he was being rude and he was mansplaining and doing all this stuff. And it's like he was just doing what people do in debates. Right. Watch the the presidential the the primaries, the Democratic right. primaries. They did they all did that to her. She right. did that to them. They did that to Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. They did it to you know what but I mean. Because she's a woman, he can't do that to her. 
and yet she shouldn't be treated differently because she's a woman. Exactly. Because yeah. gender is not a real thing. Right. Exactly. So it's so like, exactly. what are you talking about? Literally, you know what I mean? There's I don't know no, what you want me to do. Exactly. And that's where there's no winning. There's literally no way to that's win. That's when and that's when I realized, you know, in certain aspects of my life, especially in the military, yeah. that I was like, wow, there's just like no upside to anybody else in the in like wow. modern day feminism. Like yeah. it's just women just like women are just meant to always win no matter what. And it's right. like, okay, well, when does that end? Like yeah. when does like when does it get too far like there's no way that there's no limit to this yeah and that's what it seems to be the whole like you see all these t-shirts now the future is female like females yeah, women yeah. run the world on stuff and it's like why like like i want men with you there. yeah you know, why does it have to be that it shouldn't right. i don't want to see but like anytime that you could see something like, this is the same thing we say about race all the time if you could switch out the word black for the word white and you would be wildly offended then you probably shouldn't say it about black people either <laughs> and it's the same thing with yeah. like i wouldn't wear a sweatshirt that says the future is male yeah so why had the future is female like right. why do people why do boys have to look at a woman wearing a shirt that says yeah. the future is female and what are they supposed to think they're right. supposed to feel decent about themselves no just like i wouldn't want a little girl seeing me wearing a, future, a shirt that says the future is male yeah. like well, what's the point yeah and that's really interesting kind of the long lasting effects that that'll have on on especially young boys or or, or even young women as well and i always talk right. about this where i talk about when i was in, exactly especially on young women yeah especially on young women but the the story about like boys in the classroom like the sixth grade boys that i was talking to yeah in the vulture project and i always talk about this because it really hit me where we were doing a question and answer session and i the female speaker went into the boys classroom to answer the boys questions and the right. male speaker went into the girls classroom and this one boy yeah, this in, in the classroom his like question was what do you think of feminism and it was hilarious because i was in this room of like all men it was literally like all it was all the seventh and eighth grade boys plus the male principal and their male teacher and i'm pretty sure like the priest was in there like it was wow, like me yeah. and all these guys and all oh, of them dude. it was kind of like you could have heard a pin drop after this oh, kid sure. asked the question because i'm sure like a lot of the boys had thought about it or but it was interesting to me of like a seventh grade boy already being kind of wrapped up in that and i talked to the principal afterwards because the boy had said something about like the girls always get out of things or like we always get blamed for things. That's kind of like when he brought it, like yeah. how he brought it up. And I just tried to, you know, boost them up and like apologize for it, you know? And I was like, obviously I'm thankful for my rights and thankful for all these different things, but I'm sorry that it has turned into a movement that tears you down. Right. Um, and you could see just how they were already, it was already affecting them as seventh graders. And I kind of, it was probably also affecting the women, you know? And so that the ways that they were like, you know, I don't know. I really don't know what happened in the school. I don't know what kind of issues might have come up between the boys and the girls or whatnot. Like right. the principal had told me that there were some things that had sure. come up. And I, I kind of wonder if the girls had like fallen into that kind of mindset of like, oh, we should like get anything or we should get out of these things because of, of whatnot and blah, blah, blah. And but you could see how it had impacted the young the young men, you know, and like you could right. see how they were already kind of like wrestling with like, how do we kind of live with feminism or feminism or like, how do we, what are we supposed to do or anything like that, sure. you know? And, and so I just tried to build them up as much as possible, but it was interesting to see that. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. In sixth grade, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's so interesting. And so I think it does have a big impact and I think we don't, and we get to see, and we talk about personal examples where we see the impacts of, and we've talked about even in your life, you yeah. know what I mean? The ways that feminism and that, that kind of like the future is female and all these different, you know, yeah 
uh, oh man, just the, the just how much our society has changed. You know, when you think about right. uh, Cardi B's music, or you think about um, you know we talked about like the weight stuff and some yeah. of the stuff that like Lizzo does in music and, yeah. and things like that, and just the way that it really does just kind of get to this point in society of like women can do no wrong. And just like, I think it's so detrimental for black people to be told you can do no wrong and you're not responsible at all. If you're failing or you're in prison or you're doing whatever, you're poor, like it's not your fault at all. It's 400 years of oppression and all this has done this to you. Like women are just being told like, go out, like use your body however you want to do all these things. And like a lot of them realize it's an empty lifestyle and it doesn't lead to happiness and fulfillment. Definitely doesn't lead to holiness and the Lord. Yeah. And just like it doesn't for black people to, to learn that you have no personal responsibility and that that's not a real thing and that meritocracy isn't real and like your actions don't matter, doesn't help them to become saints either. Yeah. And so I think that all that stuff is so important. And um, go ahead. Oh, well, and we have to watch how it creeps into the church as well. Into, like, yeah. And our what, something we've talked as about individuals too, and like, as a church. seeing friends or like seeing other women in my life or, or different things, kind of their mentalities towards relationship or their mentalities towards like when that's going to happen or the how it's going to look how it's going to look conflict and yeah, all that conflict stuff and whatnot like <laughs> low water refill you have plenty of water hey hey <laughs> i gotta stay hydrated over here while i'm ran he's getting on a roll he's getting all worked up he needs his water that's right but um yeah just like don't judge just my water different. levels i i'm sorry i forgive you i thank you communication communication <laughs> No, but, but even, even how that's like, we, I, we've seen that kind of creep into women in the church as well, who feel like they should just be like literally raised up at all times. They should be like completely like right. pampered on all times, like all these different things. And, and while there's like definitely men out there who are the worst and who, who don't like ever show any attention to the women or ever show that kind of uh, reverence for them or thankfulness for what they do in relationship um i don't think that it's it's not sustainable for um, the man to be constantly uplifting the woman and the woman just be taking it and giving nothing in return right right and that's what we see today and you see you see that on a widespread level just societal level today where and then so then men just kind of fall into you know i don't know what to do there's no way for me to win i'm gonna do nothing right you know Absolutely. Which we don't want either, which the women would probably complain about also. You know what I mean? Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's just a big, it's just, a, it's just kind of spiraled out of control. That's the best way I can describe it. Absolutely. And what you literally, the, the only way to do is to like to go back to those, just go back to the truths of like these things and the foundations of these things. And, right. And enter into that in whatever way we can and teach the next generation. Yeah you and I have talked about this a lot of like, it's going to be harder and harder to teach the next generation these truths because it's becoming so crazy. So that's why we have to be so strong in them today. You know, Absolutely. like each person today. Oh yeah. Growing up in this has to be so strong in these beliefs and in these truths. And yeah. And this is why I want seeking excellence to be in the way that we form people because it allows you, I think, you know, the life of virtue, the life of excellence allows you to be able to balance your emotions and to be able to balance your, uh, you know, to evaluate, like, what is true? What is real? What is, you know, all of these things? Yeah. And so I think that that's so important um, for people to recognize and for people to understand. And so I think, you know, going back to just some of the emotional aspect of things, I think it's so important for people to recognize and for us to recognize the ways that the 
I don't know, the socialists, the leftists, whatever we want to call them, um, who are trying to impact our society today, the subtle ways that they use and manipulate emotions in order to get their point across. And so mm-hmm. one of the other great examples that I have from this is another college football reference, right? So <laughs> in college football, recently this past week, um, new who could be a professor of wokeness, I assume, <laughs> Ivan Mazel from ESPN.com, uh, wrote this article and it's entitled, The Lack of Black College Football Coaches is Still Glaring and So Are the Excuses Behind It. So one of the things that happened with this in this article is he talked about, as I mentioned earlier, Derek Mason, the head coach at Vanderbilt, the head coach of absolutely horrific Vanderbilt, uh, was fired and appropriately fired, one would assume, since he has zero wins this season. Yeah. Uh, after their loss this past week. Zero wins this season, and he just put in a kicker who kicked the ball to the 35-yard line. But she was a woman. But she was a woman, yeah. And I guess the, they did not <laughs> consider that uh, his wokeness into his you know, coach <laughs> evaluation. But yeah, right. (laughs) Who would who would imagine that? And so he got canned. And so that takes the uh, coaches down from the 130 Division one college football programs. There are that took us from 14 to 13 head coaches who are black. Now, I've done the math to say that when we had 14, right, just like yeah. we did a week ago, because that's when people like intentionally pick their coaches, right? So if you fired throughout the, the season or whatever, then I'm not going to count that as you not having a black coach. They just had a black coach at Vanderbilt. So yeah. four days ago, we had a 14 out of 130. Yes. That's 10.7%, which you can round up to 11%. 13.4% of the U.S. population is black. So that's two and a half percentage points off. From where you would say it was is an equal representative representation, representation yeah for the country like the country yeah right yeah now in that same article he talks about the fact that 60 percent 61 percent of sec the best conference in college football players are black yeah no issue with that there's no problem with that there's no desire to you know create equality amongst the coach or amongst the players and say well how many native americans are there in the sec how many asian americans are there in the sec and i'm not even talking about white people right like yeah. let's let's talk about and i don't know how this never comes up yeah but like there's there's nobody like i bet ivan or ivan whatever the hell his name is didn't have anything to write about the number of hispanic coaches number of asian american coaches because yeah. i've never seen an asian american head coach in the nfl I don't think that I can remember. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a mixed one or something. something. But I don't know uh, an Asian-American coach in the NFL or college football. Now, I'm no expert. I'm no ESPN analyst. But I can name many black head coaches in in both of those and can't name one. And all the players, too. Right. And so dominated. 61%. 13.4% of the population. 61% of the SEC's football players. Think about that. That's insane. Yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody says where yeah. the Asian Americans, where the Native Americans, where the, um, you know, Hispanics, where like, God forbid anybody say, you know, that white people are underrepresented in that. Um, but just thinking about that and nobody cares. So why only when it benefits do we want to talk about how it's lopsided yeah. and it's only lopsided 61% to 13 point. Now I'm no mathematician, Emily, I'm gonna be honest with you to my listeners that I am not a math major in college. I did score decently on my SATs in the math section. And I believe that I'm decent, you know, with yeah. like subtraction and multiplication Good. and addition. Um, not great at division, especially long division. <laughs> just being, I'm just being vulnerable. Hey, hey. Being vulnerable we with my listeners. It. Yeah. 61% and 13.4% is a bigger gap <laughs> than 13.4% and, and 10%. 10%. Yeah. Much bigger. Yeah. Nobody talks about it. Nobody cares. 
Why? Because it's not emotional. It doesn't pull you in right. a certain direction. It doesn't have the agenda behind it to say that this is unfair. This is unequal. This is a problem with the system. We need to shut down the right. system and not create equal opportunity, but create equal outcomes. Yeah. He had the audacity to talk about an 0-9 football coach in here getting fired this past week and how that's actually detrimental to, to college football because there's one less black head coach. Right. Now, what Martin Luther King used to advocate for, as I mentioned earlier, yeah. was that his dream, if people recall, in the most famous speech potentially of all time in American history is he said he wanted his kids to be judged by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. All that people are advocating for these, these woke reporters and people in the media yeah. is they want him to be like, he should have been judged by the color of his skin, skin or their gender. Like yeah. in the same kind exactly. of idea. Right. While we try to remove feminism and ra or sexism and racism from the world, we're going to advocate for it. Right. Which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And which is why, you know, as good old DJT once said, as Donald Trump once said to black people, what do you have to lose? And this is what you have to think about, I think, not just from Donald Trump, but from conservatives in general. When you try the liberal, the leftist ideology, when you try Democrats, the same Democrats who owned slaves and advocated for slavery, mm -hmm. the same Democrats that destroyed our families with the welfare system yeah. and, and, and promoting it and making it attractive and actually beneficial to not have a man in the home, the same Democrats who advocate for all this nonsense that we were fighting, seeing today, um, and not just Democrats, because I don't want to condemn all Democrats. I'm still a registered Democrat in the state of Pennsylvania from back when I was 18. Um, so I'm talking about the party that I'm technically on paper a part of. Right. This is not some like, you know, ranting about the no, Democrats from some lifelong conservative uh, old white male. This is, you know, yeah. young, 27-year-old, black, tattooed, veteran, <laughs> registered Democrat, Nathan Crankfield, talking about we have to consider these things when we're seeing and we have to really think about when you read articles like this, not just be, oh, wow, yeah, that's absurd. No, but stop and think for a second. Yeah. And use, you know, reason and logic along with your emotions. Your emotions are good indicators. Yeah. Well, on that, kind of what you're talking, I was just like putting this all together. Well, first of all, I hope everybody is enjoying like a like, classic Nathan and Emily dinnertime conversation <laughs> where we just like rant about different things or, or talk about politics or what we see and, and whatnot, but um, just society, just society in general. But when you were talking about that, you're talking about, I liked how you highlighted kind of how it's an emotional response a lot of times on right. both sides. It's like, this is funny how the, like the feminism podcast has turned into like both of the things we yeah, love. This they, gonna, that they, can't be the topic. This is why I don't so, pick the title before, before I record it because it just I go into whatever comes up. But, <laughs> but, they, but they both they both have the same like like philosophical basis that are like missile like un unaligned if that makes sense you know they're, they're like rooted in the same kind of like misaligned sorry uh you know well, beliefs or different things yeah. but when you're talking about the emotional side today of, today, now, today yeah. yeah yeah um when you're talking about the emotional side of it what that made me think was like a lot of times you'll you'll hear like stereotypically like women are more emotional or different things right and we have to learn how to be like how to like be virtuous in our emotions or align our emotions and a lot of times like men are the ones that can teach us that right because you guys are able to organize your thoughts you're able to like take control of your emotions better stereotypically or like inherently kind of when we talked about last right one is that we have these inherent strengths or our brains are different hormones yeah, are different exactly it's like our biology is different yeah and so i was just thinking about that of like well everything is so emotional now because there's no kind of like learning how to control those things. Right. And that if like the, this feminism or this like feminine, 
feminist mentality is overtaking so much it's like negating what men can teach us and so then yeah. our emotions are just like coming out of control and then you see that on a societal level as well that like emotions are now like controlling everything yeah do does that make sense good, like do I just, it feels right yeah. nice and but i was putting that in my mind that's like, like i mean that's political correctness 101 right but it's almost like this just occurred to me and i don't know if this makes sense but it's like almost like a it's like female tendencies out of control right is almost that yeah and it's not other people standing it's not people standing up for truth it's not people organizing these thoughts and like when you go down like to the base like philosophy of it that's a lot of times like things that women can learn from men so there's no like working together right right so again created this mentality that women can do no wrong yeah exactly so it's almost like that is like in this pursuit of eradicating toxic masculinity we've let toxic femininity right exactly run rampant run rampant because you're not learning you're not recognizing the complementarity between the two you're not recognizing that they are both needed in the same way of like what you're talking about like you're not recognizing that like different races have different things to bring to the table that they can like all work together and like help right. each other there's right? be- beauty there's in beauty cultural in, diversity exactly yeah. there's beauty in that and there's beauty in masculinity and femininity and we all have to learn from each other but instead we're not like we're not the the goal is not to learn from each other it's almost to overpower each other right right and that's where things just get out of control yeah you know and you know what's interesting too with that is that like it takes a lot of strength and virtue and i had to learn this because i used to not be like this yeah and and i still struggle with it today but it takes a lot of virtue to be uh to be elevated and to still recognize that other people are being put down and degraded yeah and that's what i feel like you know that's why i love talking about this you know about racism and feminism together as a black man and a white woman yeah um is to be able to talk about or not, you know, your race being less important than that, the fact that you're a woman and talking about feminism yeah, and me yeah. as a black man talking yeah. about racism is the fact that we're able to say like, you know, in the midst of feminism, you're like, but yeah, but we shouldn't be degrading men. Exactly. That's not right. And right. in the midst of promoting the, I love that there's black head coaches in, in the college football. Yeah. Like I'm much happier, happier now, you know, yeah. tw- he says 28 years later in 1992, I guess there was zero. And now we have, you That's know, like, 13 more. Lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 13 more than we had then, which to me, we ought to acknowledge that we're heading in the right trajectory right. and getting close to being representational. You know what I mean? But it's never United enough. States. Exactly. But not only that, yeah. but what about everybody else? Right. Like it takes, it takes maturity is what it takes to be able to stop and say, okay, that's great. I appreciate you, Yvonne or Ivan, whatever his name is. <laughs> I kind of want to call him the wrong one. Um, so I wish I did know what it was. It's I tough feel to like say, you right? pronounce it. Yvonne. So Ivan, Ivan? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you felt that coming up. So my man, Ivan, it's like great to be like, okay, yeah, I appreciate you saying that for, for black people. Uh, what about Hispanics? Yeah, what about that's Asian really Americans? I even what about, about these other people? Like, you know that it's not only black people in America, right? Like, it's not just white and black people and black people don't make up 61% of the population, right? Even though they make up that in the players. So like, if you feel like things are unfair and uneven, don't you want it to be fair and even for everybody? Yeah. Or are you just writing this article because you knew it would get a lot of attention because you're writing about how it's uneven for black people? Yeah. Interesting. That is really interesting. Interesting how that works. Yeah. Very curious. It's so, so intriguing. Right. So, I mean, yeah, all of this is so intertwined and there's so much to it. Yeah. And I mean, we had so many topics that I wanted to talk about that that dove deeper into (laughs) the emotional aspect and how people, 
And this will have to be number three. We're going to do a third podcast. We're going to have to do a We're third one. We're just super one. worked up right now and just want to. Right. We're just rolling through it. This is our afternoon. And so I will be having to pour the bourbon for this next one if we do it. But the the emotional ways that people have distorted the abortion argument, the pro-life argument, the way that they distort the gender argument, the argument for marriage, the argument for the family, the nuclear family, uh, which was directly attacked, you know, on the Black, Black Lives Matter um, philosophy, their website yeah. for a long time before they removed it from the criticism they received for mm-hmm. it, for their outright blatant Marxist ideas, um, for women's empowerment, the way that that, you know, can be misconstrued and created to be evil and wrong um, in, in the name of women's empowerment, in the name of reproductive rights, in the name yeah. of all these things that they, you know, label as yeah. um, being good things that really have been uh have drawn a lot of people from the church into believing and endorsing these things because they do pull out the heartstrings. They do pull out those with a good conscience, those who want what's best for other people, even though they don't give what's best for others or for the people they're actually claiming to help. Yeah. So there's a lot to that, but I don't think that we have time to go into it right now. So are we already at almost at an hour? We are. We're Goodness, close. Time flies. Right? Time flies when you're ranting about <laughs> you're right? ranting feminism and racism. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So Emily Harpole, this has been just an absolute blast. Thank you so much for coming out today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So we'll catch you next time here on the Seeking Excellence podcast. Uh, Stay tuned for more rants from the two of us. (laughs)